everybody. My name is Alex. I'm here with my co-host Donovan, and this is Music Renovation. Basic premise of this is that my roommate Donovan has a god-awful music taste, and I gotta renovate his musical expertise. Donovan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Alex. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely incredible. Are you ready for the first episode of the podcast? That's great. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to get started. I'm ready to get cultured. Heck yeah. All right. So um, I'll start off by asking you some, some questions about your uh, personal music taste. Uh, what are some of your favorite albums of all time? Albums. Oh, jeez. I'm not really an album guy. I don't go by albums. Mm, uh, yeah. I don't know. What's something not too embarrassing? I like... Uh... Are you going to ask me my favorite artists? Because I feel like... Yeah, yeah. if, if you can't artists. think of any favorite albums, yeah, well, go ahead. What are your favorite artists? Well, like, I, I listen to a lot of Ed Sheeran, but I'm pretty split between, like, Multiply and Divide, which is a personal favorite, because it does get a little too too pop mainstream as he head into Divide, his, his latest album, of course. Um, uh-huh. So Ed Sheeran's <laughs> up there. Um... Jeez, yeah, I don't really do like the whole artist thing. I really, actually, I take that back. I've been listening to the last year or so, last year and a half, I'd say the uh, the Lumineers. If you heard of them, real big fan of Lumineers. Um, <laughs> hey ho, that's actually hey ho. That's that's the song I know from them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's totally the song. Hey, yeah. ho. Is that actually, not from the from the Lumineers? Actually, ho hey, because they specifically they specifically oh, hey. wanted people not to say hey ho because that's a well that didn't work then didn't it? Because I just said hey ho hey hey ho whatever I said. Off to work we go. Exactly. Yeah. So obviously, pretty, yeah. pretty big on the the Lumineers. Really, three was a great album, and it really like tells a story. I don't know if you've seen those music videos, but like. There's different narratives going on and in the writing and the music and the visuals really combine to like tell a cohesive narrative. So I, I really like that part. So I'd have to go three by the Lumineers and then multiply by Ed Sheeran. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Uh <laughs> answer me this. How many how many chain smokers songs do you have on your Spotify? Uh Probably only like six or so. Oh gosh, I only that's listened just, to like that's two. six too many. No, 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 no. Closer was a was a summer bop. <laughs> oh my gosh, I listened to that for way too long. I actually might not have any. Oh, actually, I, I have two two Chainsmokers oh, songs. Two. That's that's that was still like a, an edgy, a wannabe edgy period. <laughs> that's that's still um a lot for a human being to have or two said i was two human i might be a computer is that okay that's a good point well i mean i i would expect computers to be the only things that would listen to the chain smokers anyway so (laughs) it's a fair point fair point (laughs) exactly all right well anyway uh today we're talking about one of my favorite albums of all time okay computer by radiohead and i, and I had donovan listen to this album uh you listened to it last night 
Uh, or the night before. So really recent. First time. All right. There you go. He first time listening to it. He took some notes. Uh, we're gonna go over some of the backstory behind the album. Then we're going to. Uh, I will. I'll give some of my thoughts on it and I'll, on each of the songs. And then we're gonna head to Donovan. Get his thoughts on it. His thoughts on any of the songs. We're gonna go track by track oh, yeah. we're going to talk about everything that this album has to offer are you ready donovan i'm so ready i didn't know it was to... your favorite album it's one of my favorite albums for sure i have it on vinyl too wow Damn, yeah that's right I'm a, I'm a big i'm a big fan of this album yeah um all right so I'll, I'll go ahead and head into it. Uh, OK Computer is the third. Oh, by the way, all credit to uh, Wikipedia for for my script today. They're reputable. No, it's it's accurate. I fact checked. Um, I trust me. I did. I fact yeah, I trust. Yeah, I trust. you trust me. All right. All right. OK. Anyway, uh, OK Computer is the third studio album by the English rock band Radiohead. Uh, it was released on May 21st, 1997 on EMI and Capitol Records. Um, the album was completely self-produced by the band along with producer Nigel Godrich. Um, this is the ensemble that would follow Radiohead throughout their whole career, pretty much, from this point forward. Um, Radiohead found a great deal of success from their first two albums with songs like Creep and High and Dry being highly successful. Uh, but much more clean cut and straightforward compared to a lot of their work on OK Computer. You've heard of Creep, right? Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, that's probably the only Radiohead song I've ever <laughs> listened to before this album. I figured, yeah. yeah. That's, listen, man, when I was in high school and I was a fake Radiohead fan, I was like, oh, Creep? Bro, that song well, Creep, dude? Accurate. You are Creep, yeah. You embody it. All right, all right. It's, I Listen, I invited you here. All right, I don't, I don't, you don't right. invite I'm, a guest I'm to a your guest. house. I'm a guest. Yeah, you don't in invite a guest house. to your house, then insult yeah. them. In, our, in my my house, my this is this podcast is uh, my house. Oh, I, I see. Sensei, continue. Exactly. Hi. Uh, so <laughs> this album, uh, in my mind, it, it was the perfect transition uh, for the band. Um, from transitioning from their earlier work into their later work um, as they would go on a much more experimental direction from OK Computer onward. Um, due to this, EMI kind of estimated lower sales. Um, they deemed the record uncommercial and difficult to market. Um, despite that, the album reached number one on the UK album charts and debuted number 21 on the Billboard 200. Um, up to this point, this was Radiohead's highest album entry on the U.S. charts. Um, soon enough, it earned five times platinum and double platinum certification by the BPI and the RIAA, respectively. Uh, the songs Paranoid Android, Karma Police, Lucky, and No Surprises were released as singles. Uh, the mm. album expanded Radiohead's international popularity and has sold at least 7.8 million units worldwide. Um, it was also very critically acclaimed as well as commercially successful. Uh, it was nominated for the Album of the Year and won Best Alternative Music Album at, at the 1998 Grammy Awards. It was also nominated for Best British Album at the 1998 Brit Awards. Um, the album initiated a stylistic shift in British rock away from Britpop toward melancholic atmospheric alternative rock that became much more prevalent for the next decade. 
In 2014, it was even included by the Library of Congress in the National Recording Registry as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So this album really totally changed um, what rock was like in uh, in England. It got a lot weirder. Yeah, and yeah, from yeah. my from my limited knowledge, I can I can even kind of see that not with specific albums, of course, because my memory is, as we know, <laughs> terrible. But yeah, I do like how you brought up that it was this transition not only for the group, but also yeah for the kind of genre in England and moving into different different kind of set pieces and, and tones for sure. Exactly, and I mean from from your knowledge, knowing Creep. I mean, pretty much every song on this album is very different from Creep musically and stylistically, structurally. Um, not that Creep's a bad song, you know, but I mean, it, it is it is you know a very straightforward type of type Definitely. of beat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's for those people that listen to Ed Sheeran on the radio. You know, exactly. Yes. People who love Ed Sheeran love Creep by Radiohead. That's what I always say. Well. You're right on that again, Alex. There you go. And that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, along with a stylistic shift, there was also a shift in lyrics. Um, Tom York, the lead singer of the band, stated that the starting point for the record was incredibly dense and a terrifying sound, um, um, similar to that of the album Bitches Brew, which is the 1970 avant-garde jazz fusion album by Miles Davis. What's your favorite Miles Davis song, Donovan? You know, I'm not a real big fan of Miles Davis personally, but uh, saxophone player in high school. Sorry about it. Ah. Ah. You know, Pro- probably, you know uh, probably Bitches Brew or uh, whatever you just said. Okay, great. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Cool. For sure, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it really um, inspired some great works like uh, OK Computer, huh? Right, exactly. Yeah, see, you're you're getting a hang of this, Donovan. I'm picking up. There you go. All right. Uh, anyway, Tom described the sound of Bitches Brew to Q. Um, it was building something up and watching it fall apart. That's the beauty of it. It was at the core of what we were trying to do with OK Computer. Hmm. Um, York also identified I'll Wear It Proudly by Elvis Costello, Fall On Me by R.E.M., Dressed by P.J. Harvey, and A Day in the Life by The Beatles as particularly influential on his uh, sound songwriting. Excuse me. Excuse. Um, he was also, thank you very much. He was also um, inspired by film track comp- com- composers, crowd rock bands. Um, and musicians that York described as abusing the recording process. Hmm. Um, Johnny Greenwood, the guitarist for uh, OK for Radiohead, excuse me, uh, described OK Computer as a product of being in love with all these brilliant records, trying to create them, and missing. Um, according to Tom York, he hoped to achieve an atmosphere that perhaps was a bit shocking when you first hear it, but only as shocking as the atmosphere on the Beach Boys' pet sounds. Um, They expanded their instrumental to include electric piano, mellotron, cello, and other strings, glockenspiel, and electric effects. Uh, Johnny Greenwood summarized the exploratory approach as, when we've got what we suspect to be an amazing song, but no one knows what they're going to play on it. Um, 
Spin characterized the album as sounding like a DIY electronica album made with guitars. Hmm. Um, now going on to the lyrics, which were a lot more abstract uh, compared to Tom York's previous personal yeah. emotional lyrics that he used on um, his first two albums. Um, critic Alex Ross said the lyrics seemed a mixture of overheard conversations, techno speaks, and fragments of a harsh diary with images of riot police at political rallies, anguished lives in tidy suburbs, yuppies freaking out, sympathetic aliens gliding overhead. Uh, recurring themes include transport, technology, insanity, death, modern British life, globalization, and anti-capitalism. York said, on this album, the outside world became all there was. I'm just taking Polaroids of things around me moving too fast. Um, did you pick up on that, Donovan, when listening to this album? No, actually, I did. And I want to go back to those specific kind of crowd noises or images um, that you brought up. Because for sure, listening to it um, definitely evokes some of those images and, and kind of that same tension or, or emotion. And I... You know, as we break down each track, I think we'll go into it more. But yeah, definitely this kind of this bleak picture or or more of a almost a commentary on um, this new information computer age. Right. And, and how we're it's almost like this 1984 dystopia um, with a lot of a lot of angst going on. So I, I definitely picked up on some of those notes for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really a um it's it's kind of an imperfect glitchy sort of album as opposed yeah. to more um more more perfect straight ahead, you know, just rock with, you know, yeah. drums, guitar, bass, vocals, stuff like that. This included a lot of more electronic sounds, a lot of industrial sounds, as you said, crowd noises, just random talking throughout songs like like Fitter Happier or, or Paranoid Android. Um, a lot of unconventional stuff that you'd find in uh, music, even in the 90s where things were becoming more experimental. This was, this was a lot, you know, like it was, it was, it was a lot to handle. Very, very in your face and brash and new and, uh, and scary for people who haven't listened to music like this before. Yeah. Like, and as you're talking about kind of the journey of, of Radiohead itself it, it, through you know Britpop to to where they went with OK Computer and beyond like it, it made me think of Linkin Park and and their journey through their albums and how they evolved and changed as a group and their sound you know in terms of instrumentation trying new things uh, defining new genres uh, but definitely you know it, it was a tumultuous time I'd say not not living it myself 97 98 right but I can I can imagine uh, worlds changing a lot, and so there's a lot of a lot of noise. Yeah, for sure, a lot of noise. The world becoming more complicated, technology kind of uh, kind of evolving and and being more of an essential thing in people's lives. Something that we know, I mean, that's like normal now. But I imagine right. in the '90s, someone as as um, I don't want to say Tom York is cynical, but he definitely tries to look past, you know, the the pretty parts of life and tries to kind of kind of uh I don't want to say focus on the bad, but you know what I mean. He's yeah. he's he is an optimistic pessimist, I think, who is aware of the bad things in life. 
Um, and a big part of that at this point was, you know, technology becoming kind of the way that life was and something that everybody should, should be aware of and skeptical right. of as Tom York was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause we, we've seen these shifts in technology, obviously in, in retrospect and hindsight now, but yeah, you, know, you could almost say he was, he was kind of visionary for kind of heeding these signs and, and trying to say, Hey guys, let's slow down here and think about, you know, some of these larger societal issues like consumerism or, or isolation because of technology that connects us. So definitely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think we're about ready to, to jump into the track list here. Okay. Talk about some of the songs, go over some of your notes uh right into the first track uh right away heavy gain guitar screeching guitar simple drum beat but very intense uh this drum beat was inspired by dj shadow very famous um uh instrumentalist who creates a lot of hip-hop beats uh he's incredible i love him so much <laughs> uh, um the song references um the song's references to automobile accidents and reincarnation were inspired by a magazine article titled An Airbag Saved My Life and the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Um, Tom York wrote Airbag about the illusion of safety offered by modern transit and the idea that whenever you go out on the road, you could be killed. Oh. <laughs> um, so right into Tom looking at the worst parts of, of life. Yep. Well, yeah, transportation's great, but you're traveling right. in a metal box that could kill you like right away, like whenever you, whenever it wants to. <laughs> um, so it really gets um, across the the anxiety that uh, that I feel like Tom York feels a lot uh, about just all aspects of life, which I can I can re I can relate to a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, this is this is kind of a theme that. Um, it's not really something that Radiohead touched on at all um, in previous albums. Um, there's a lot more introspective and 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 personal past the point of going through life experiences, really getting into getting into the thoughts um, that that people have just about normal everyday things that you might not think about. But Tom York's gonna make sure that you think about <laughs> it every time you you drive now. Um, did you did you look for the lyrics of of the songs on this album? I I should have, you know that that's a good point. Maybe I'll pull that up right now because a lot of them mm. I couldn't really pick up the the exact uh, lyrics, the words themselves. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, blame you. Tom York's not exactly the best enunciator. Um, yeah, very very mumbly. You know, some would say Tom York was the first mumble rapper. Oh. Yeah, he's like a yeah. moaner rapper, though. That's that's what I have down. He, uh, it's kind of a wailing tone, you know. Mm, I see, like a like a like a like a like a whale. Yeah, like a. <laughs> you sure. know what I'm saying? Like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Like a, like a whale. Like a. We'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll make a note of that. I'll put a timestamp. We'll come back to it. No, but I did not pick up on the danger 
or the seriousness of this track i went oh airbag that's it's kind of light i guess you know like guess i wasn't really thinking about it the way tom yeah. was thinking about it because i came into this you know with with little experience to to radiohead and this being the first one right off the bat i was like oh this is you know okay like solid you know rock concepts it's it's a it's a pretty light for the most part i thought um you know the guitar starts wailing a bit and, and he's moaning like a, a whale or something over top but <laughs> I went, oh, yeah. wow, this is a very yeah i could i could listen to this in the background this could be you know the montage music to to some some piece so for me i was like oh okay like more standard rock this is this is kind of what i expected not knowing the the transitionary or kind of tertiary ground they're moving into with the rest of the album yeah absolutely they i mean a lot of radio songs are very depressing sounding this is one of those ones that's depressing and anxious doesn't really sound like it uh it's uh it is pretty high energy for as uh, as down a song as it is i guess um yeah i know i love this song this song's pretty sick um yeah i i thought it was groovy like you know pretty good emphasis on two and four like rock does and so i was like it's enjoyable to listen to i couldn't really understand the words at the time but i was like all right there you go. Are you are you looking through the lyrics now? What do you what do you think of them? They uh heavy. <laughs> it's um heavy. <laughs> but in, intelligent, you know, like it's it's mm -hmm. a lot. Uh interstellar burst, you know, back to save the universe. Talking about being born again. Bars. I mean, I think, you know, you could dissect quite a bit here for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's we can make we could have a 90 minute podcast just talking about like this song but <laughs> we will eventually have to move on um yeah I, I i can't imagine what it was like being a radiohead fan based off of off of pablo honey and the bands the first two albums and then coming into this because it's not too unlike the bands um, their second album, but I mean, it's not like straightforward, pure rock. It's not even right. really like grungy. It's like something totally different, you know, with with electronic sounds, with these kind of glitchy, wailing guitars, super grainy, super like kind of muffled and and, and imperfect. Um, it's pretty sick. I, I think this is when Radio had really put put Creep behind them and, and proved that they were more than just that song. The people who only knew them from that song, um, you know, they actually they actually hated playing Creep, um, and this is around the time really? when they started hating it because it was just a song that everybody knew, and you know, they wanted to, people to know that they had better songs and that like they weren't just that song. They still. That recently, in recent tours, they've started playing it again because they've kind of been like, whatever, people like the song, we'll just play it. But yeah, no, I, I, is... yeah, I get that. I feel like there's some other artists or groups you hear about that, yeah, I get tired of playing that, you know, that big hit, that wonder, or, you know, just that one random popular track that people latch onto, you know, 20, 
24 years later and are still like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a creep fan, you know? And if that's what everyone's just yelling at you to play all the time, I, I can see that get tiring. So I'm glad this is a departure into you know, something man, Radiohead. New yeah, man, Radiohead, man, their peak was creep, bro. <laughs> creep was so good. Creep was so I don't think anybody good. says that. Maybe one. There's not. probably one person's favorite Radiohead song is Creep. He's out there. Who knows? All right. There's, they're out there somewhere. Uh, anyway, um, on to the next track. Track number two. It, I mean, if if Airbag wasn't enough of a departure from, like, regular rock and, like, their previous sound, I think this is probably good enough uh a <laughs> good enough was as the departure departure it's it's six and a half minutes of just insane immersive vast grand music that's still raw and in your face it's 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 like it's like a rock an alternative rock bohemian rap city almost <laughs> yes yes that's that's what i wrote down as well there you go see because it, it's it, it, there are like three different structures really it's distinct like, yeah mm-hmm, the the beginning acoustic high like signature tom york eh, like really high vocal pitch mm-hmm. into the super distorted crazy guitar solos all that stuff into the 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 insane grand i don't even know what the the breakdown the (laughs) the like coral uh rain down oh so good i love this song so much i've heard this song i mean so many times yeah i can tell the passion is there yeah what what did you think of this song no like as you just took us through alex like Definitely, I started picking up on on those different phases of the song, and that's why I wrote down it's it's kind of like this odyssey, like Bohemian Rhapsody, because it really takes us through these different sounds, right? These stylistically uh, just distinct segments where I, I wrote down like, and I'm glad you mentioned um, their influence from Miles Davis um, earlier, because now that you say that, I can totally get that from from the beginning where I. I saw this this kind of latin vibe it was it was very much kind of a, of a lighter mm. jazz style you know and then right as you know you maybe start to get comfortable a little bit it it starts to throw down a little but get more creepy at the same time not to bring up the word creep again right but um you know then suddenly the distortion is up right we're going high up on the fretboard we're going Zing, 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 all over the place right and then this bass line starts going in there i mean it's haunting there's that switch to halftime which i think you're referring to and like mm-hmm. it just incorporates so many parts of rock and so many of the subgenres that i really think yeah it showcases and it has a statement out there like we're doing something different and we can play more than just what people expect us to play yeah uh you know what's crazy about the song is that Despite the fact that it's super grand and 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 immersive and all these things, all these adjectives, you know, um, it's 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 still very deep, but it might be the least deep one on 
um, on the album because mm. the song is pretty much about a night that Tom York spent um, at a Los Angeles bar where he saw a woman violently react after someone spilled a drink on her. So he's basically complaining about this, like, Karen that he saw. <laughs> and it's like, man, this shit really annoyed me. Like, I'm just going to write this epic six-and-a-half-minute-long song about her. Yeah, um, he, he definitely goes off, that's for sure. Yeah, kicking, squealing, Gucci little piggy is what he calls her in the song. Uh, yeah. It's um, it's crazy. Uh, this is up to this point definitely their most ambitious song for me. I mm. think they'd get more ambitious later on. Um, but in terms of being experimental, this is really some next level stuff. Um, totally. Still, maybe their best song. Maybe I don't know. It's oh, okay. I mean, depending on who you ask, I'm I'm sure if you ask enough people, a lot of them are gonna say Paranoid Android. It's good. So you know insane um it is it is zany yeah i'll, I'll mm-hmm. give you that and it's ambitious but like you said it's it's kind of cutting edge there where you know we talk about you know, the, the the kind of themes or concept behind the album and then put that in context with the time and yeah it starts really throwing in these really distorted elements these electronic sounds these these kind of distorted or, or creepy um you know tones like i said and, and some of those electronic computer um phrases that i i really think we start to hear the rest of the album but maybe weren't that used that commonly at the time yeah for sure and this was at the time radiohead you know england was still very much in the brit pop phase so oasis and blur were like the kings right it's all about oasis and blur yeah. like who's the best like brit pop band and Radiohead, I think, was was kind of in that conversation as well. Like, mm. oh, this, they're both, you know, all three of them. They're they're you know these rock bands and make cool songs. They're they're very like, you know, they're 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 pretty straightforward rock songs and they're good. They're all catchy. And Radiohead was always kind of like out there, you know, like they were kind of the outlier. Um, Oasis and Blur are not super negative bands, I guess. And Radiohead always had kind of a negative connotation to them as far as their 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 style of songs but um not only as i mentioned before this kind of um ended the brit pop era uh it really separated them from you know oasis and blur like i i I wasn't living in england in 1997 but i imagine that there weren't a lot of conversations past okay computers release that were like oh is it is radiohead better than blur or oasis like i don't know they weren't even being compared to them anymore really because they were in a completely different um league after um up to this point i think this song's probably something that did because i cannot see oasis or blur ever making a song like paranoid android i just don't think that would ever happen yeah well they like you said they kind of differentiated themselves in a way moved in into this new market kind of created you know a little blue ocean strategy as we call it in business but like mm-hmm. moved to to separate themselves and say hey we're not like these these other pretenders to the throne we're radiohead all right uh any anything else you want to touch on for this song before we move on no i i will say though this this definitely hooked me the first one i was like okay like airbag pleasant to listen to paranoid android though i went 
I'm re- listening to the rest of this album tonight. Like, let's go. Oh, yeah. That's so. right. All right. So let's go on to the next song, Subterranean Homesick Alien. Um, I love this song. I mean, I, I love all these songs. I shouldn't even say that <laughs> because they all, I love all of them. Um, it really reminds me of, of, of driving throughout the countryside and like seeing a UFO, which is pretty much what it's about. Um, it's, it's, it references, um, the Bob Dylan song, Subterranean Homesick Blues, um, in the title and the lyrics describe an isolated narrator, um, narrator who fantasizes about being abducted by extraterrestrials. Um, the narrator speculates that upon returning to Earth, his friends would not believe his story and he would remain a misfit. The lyrics were inspired by an assignment that Tom York um, wrote at his time at Abingdon School, um, where he was instructed to write a piece of Martian poetry, a mm. British literary movement that humorously recontextualizes mundane aspects of human life from an alien perspective. Um, so, so very extraterrestrial alien vibes um uh yeah i mean it, it's there's not a whole lot to talk about this song in terms of the con the the uh the concept because i pretty much just said what the, what the entire yeah. concept was right it's, um, far out. it's it's also one of the more um obvious songs on this album i think um when you're thinking of because because he pretty much says like he talks he tells the story of this guy who mm-hmm wants to be abducted and wants you know and it's, it's wonders like if they bring me back is anybody gonna believe me am i gonna just go back to being who i was before um and it's exactly what the song is about so uh yeah what, what did you think about this song no like i went no okay like after the marathon that was uh <laughs> paranoid android i was like i was ready for this kind of ballad feel that we get into and yeah it's it's more comfortable right but at the same time, it's not. It's it's still different. And what it's funny now. One of my notes is I'm starting to pick up on on Tom's style because I went, can he not speak clearly? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> um, maybe that was just me, but I I still really enjoyed it. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, it is it is kind of ironic how it's. I remarked that it was slightly up tempo for how sad it sounds, and for how. how heavy his tone is the music is almost this juxtaposition contrast really um and these different you know kind of new uh electronic effects like really add to this i think right like it really pushes the lyrics like far out like really evokes those those emotions that you went through and and i can i can get in those shoes a little bit like oh man maybe i gotta mess around and get abducted here you know so um (laughs) I did like it. Yeah, I did yeah right. <laughs> some excitement. Yeah, like, come on, aliens. Like, yeah. beam me up. I can make a probing joke in here, but I probably should. <laughs> probably probably should hold off. <laughs> I probably hold off on that. That's for, the, that's for the after dark. Yeah, after the dark. The after dark portion of the podcast. Well, I got a question for you then, Alex. Uh, not not oh. probing related, of course. But... Uh, <laughs> um, now that we're through three three of these tracks here, uh, can you reveal your favorite? I know you uh, you love all Ooh. of them, but is there that one that just kind of takes the cake? Man, it, it, it's... They've all, with the exception of maybe like 
two or three of the songs they've all kind of taken place as my favorite right now mm. maybe climbing up the walls which i'm very excited to talk about with you and <laughs> we get as we get uh later down through the album oh, yeah. yeah that that might be my favorite right now but i mean at different times exit music paranoid android let down no surprises um the tourist stuff like that airbag like they've they've most of them have taken their <laughs> taken their say, spot as... you've named most of the album <laughs> exactly well that's i love all the album and i especially love most of the album so for sure you know you know what it is i know all right should we dive into uh exit music for a film we should dive into exit music for a film it is like the perfect end of a film song mm. Which I mean, it's exactly what it was made for. So I think it's it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it feels like. So this the song was actually um, made for the nineteen ninety six Romeo and Juliet movie, um, and it's played over the end credits. But it was not put on the soundtrack, which is why it was put on OK Computer. Because I guess Radiohead seemed to like the song enough to to put it on. They wanted to release it somehow officially. And, and the lyrics are, are about Romeo and Juliet, too. Um, Romeo and Juliet, they inspired the lyrics for Exit Music. Um, initially, York wanted to work lines from the play into the song, but the final draft of the lyrics became a broad summary of the narrative. So, so another song where it's, it's pretty much just telling a story, you know, um, yeah. very narrative kind of beginning, middle, end type of song. He said, I saw the uh, Zeffirelli version when I was 13 and I cried my eyes out because I couldn't understand why the morning after they shagged, they didn't just run away. <laughs> it's a song for two people who should run away before all the bad stuff starts. Um, York compared the beginning of the song, which mostly features his singing paired with acoustic guitar to Johnny Cash's At Folsom Prison. Mm. Mellotron choir and other electric voices are used throughout the track. The song climaxes with the entrance of drums and distorted bass run through a fuzz pedal, which works perfectly, I think. I mean, it's a super climactic, you know, ending to the song that kind of mimics the climactic ending to Romeo and Juliet's lives as they both, you know, fucking kill themselves. Um, <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I love it. I, I love Man, maybe this is my favorite song right now. Oh, wow. I do wish the ending lasted longer. Because mm. um, it is, I mean, the ending, I don't even, I don't know how long the ending lasts, but it's probably less than a minute, you know? The the first half of the song is very, um, oh, yeah. And then it goes bass boosted, yeah. Bass boosted, yeah, that's right. That's I've written down, right. There you go. <laughs> um which is yeah it's it's a the perfect ending what did you think of the ending compared to the rest of the song for sure well it, it definitely i'm starting to pick up a pattern here you know as i was listening through i went oh i really like the the choral additions and then having those backing vocals really did give it that kind of oh you know that 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 uh <laughs> kind of holier feel right you know kind of kind of lifted it but then back then it just towards the end there it returns to a very isolating isolating that that bass boosted feel that was definitely very interesting but 
you know, flipped the whole track on its head for me. And I went, oh, this this isn't as simple, clean cut, straightforward, just like, you know, that perfect love story in, in Romeo and Juliet, how it doesn't just end with them riding off into the sunset, you know. So now that you're saying that, it kind of fits the narrative for sure. Um, have you? Uh, I, I assume this 96 version of Romeo and Juliet, this film, this is the uh, the famous leo dicaprio version am i right yeah <laughs> yeah then with the guns and the gangs uh, mm-hmm. which i mean the fact that i mean i i haven't watched the full thing i remember i watched oh you haven't the like the first half of it in a in like english class in a in like my sophomore year of high school or my freshman year one of them because we like read Romeo and Juliet, and um, yeah, he just had us watch like the first half, and the theme, the tone of it. I mean, I don't know if it fits the song really, because mm. isn't it like? Have you seen the, the the movie? Most of it, yeah. Okay, it's not like a super. I mean, is it like a super serious film? I my memory of it is hazy, but I, I remember like kind of laughing at it because. That, no, it's, it's just, definitely like it's just so ridiculous. It is. It is definitely that kind of over the top ridiculousness that that I think we've seen a couple films. Not to go and talking about movies too much, but you know those late nineties where it's the the camera effects and the directing uh, are just it's rad. It's Romeo and Juliet, but they're skirting around and you know pistols sideways like. Very different, very different. So, getting back on yeah. track to the track, it is it is very different. Have Have you seen the uh, the Black Mirror episode where this fit where this uh, song is in? Oh no, I didn't. I didn't even realize it. It was in Black Mirror. Yeah, it was in. Uh, it was in the the Shut Up and Dance episode of uh, Black Mirror. The oh, uh, yeah. the ending montage where they're like going over all the consequences. This this song's playing. I think this. That might have been the first time I ever heard the song, but I don't know if it like really resonated with me. Because then I listened to Same. this and I was like, "Man, this this song sounds familiar." And then I like looked it up and I was like, "Oh, this this the Black Mirror song. It's the Black this, Mirror this, song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The song, the the song that Black Mirror made famous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, Black Mirror. Thank you, Black Mirror, for introducing this uh, new music to the world. That's no one's right. ever heard of before." um yeah, yeah i didn't i didn't put that together at all until mm-hmm. i can't even remember that episode it's been it's been so long um it's a good episode man it i is, watched it, it not too long ago it's, it's one of my favorites honestly looking back uh, all right anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway off the top of the black mirror uh, do you have anything else to say about this song no you know i i agree with you though i think you pointed out that the ending bit uh should be longer yeah yeah there you go see thank you for agreeing with me credits. Yep. that's why i keep you around well you're welcome thank you anyway let down yeah <laughs> the next song right oh oh the track <laughs> yeah <laughs> we like to have fun here uh so this song is depressing uh it's a very radiohead song um kind of a motif that they have in their later albums 
um, Tom York said that um, it's about that feeling when you get that you get when you're in transit but are not in control of it. You just go past thousands of places and thousands of people, and you're completely removed from it. So it's it's kind of about uh it's just passing people by over and over again and, and kind of looking past them and uh you know just kind of uh you know it's kind of kind of depressing kind of being let down kind of like um observing people but uh I don't know not really uh you're behind the barrier yeah behind, yeah yeah just kind of observing. behind like a, yeah just being an observer and stuff um Tom also said this uh. I was pissed in a club, and I suddenly had the funniest thought I had for ages. What if all the people who were drinking were hanging from the bottles? If the bottles were hung from the ceiling with string and the floor caved in, and the only thing that kept everyone up was the bottles? It's also about an enormous fear of being trapped. Um, so, I don't know what the fuck he means by that, but... yeah, so. <laughs> Tom does drugs in the club. We uh, uh Tom we said that learn. was the funniest thought he had had for ages. <laughs> He's just kicking himself with a beer in hand. He's like, Wouldn't that be great? Huh? This is exactly the type of guy you think would write would write this type of album. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um he says that uh sentimentality is being emotional for the sake of it. We're bombarded with sentiment, people emoting. That's the letdown. Feeling every emotion is fake, or rather, every emotion is on the same plane, whether it's a car advert or a pop song. Uh, he felt that the skepticism of emotion was characteristic of Generation X, and that it was informed not just let down, but the band's approach to the in that. Oh, sorry. That the uh, the the skepticism of of Gen X informed not just the song let down, but the entire approach to the album. Yeah, very. I I do agree with that. Very kind of pessimistic Gen X mm-hmm. feeling to the song and the album. Very disenfranchised and and distrusting of the government and technology and kind of. Uh, I think this is the introduction of Tom really feeling like the introduction of technology kind of made people faker and made people's emotions faker. Which um, I mean, he I nailed. Guess I could, yeah, kind of nailed it. Yeah, like, talking about advertisements, pop songs, stuff like that. I kind of get that, you know. Yeah, and now, now as we like look and talk and are constantly warned about social media, like the distance uh, between all of us is so short because we can just be zooming or or Instagramming or. But uh, those emotions, you know, you're just—it's like on the train, just going by. Nice. Don't yeah, you? exactly. Don't get sentimental. That's the—that's the—that's uh, the thing to take away. Yeah. I now, guess. did you did you like this Always one uh, as much as the others? Was this a good one for you? I I love Let Down. I think this song is. This is like, this is the song that Radiohead fans are like, oh, this song's like so underrated, like. People don't talk about the song enough, but everyone talks about the song as being underrated. You know mm. what I'm saying? So it's one, one of, those of those hot songs. takes that's not really a yes, hot Yes, it's one of those really cold, hot takes that uh, that everyone agrees with. <laughs> this song's great. It's it's like undeniably great. People like can't like disagree with it if you're a radio fan. You probably love this song. Yeah, it was anyway. it was probably one of my favorites on the album and 
and I kind of miss the the bigger picture where where it's uh, kind of this disconnect there. I mm. I noted that it was it was sad, you know. It's that classic Radiohead, uh, you know, sad. But it, it somehow felt more triumphant to me, like you know, like this. Um, it it just feels like Bridge to Terabithia a bit to me because it's sad. <laughs> And it sucks, right? Like, this is awful. But at least there's, like, a little, little uplift at the end. You're like, okay, we've made it, you know? Like, and you're you're running there again. And, of course, by the very end, it goes all digital and computer. But I that's it. That's what it evoked in me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> big, <laughs> You big don't agree with that at all. vibe from this song. <laughs> no, I, I do. Listen, I remember I saw British Airbnb in the theaters, and I cried, bro. You ever see we that all, movie? Yeah. You've you seen it. Many yeah, times. Uh, Abigail Breslin, man. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, dude. Yeah. They killed her in real life in that movie. Real real life. Yep. Real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Listen, man, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do, all right, for acting. Wow, yeah. She she needed to get an award or something like She's a real <laughs> method actor. Yeah, real method. She took it next yeah. level, you know? But exactly. Um, you you get what I mean though. Like it's sad. No, it's also, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's like winning. Yeah. Oh yeah. What I was gonna say. Um, it is. I mean, the chorus is like it. It is triumphant almost. It. It sounds. It's very. Um, very different from the lyrics, I guess. In in the sound. I mean, it's, it doesn't sound like a happy song, but it does sound not as sad as it really is. And like right. you said, triumphant. It's a great word for it. Um, especially the chorus was like, it's a great chorus, man. I love it. I think maybe my favorite, maybe my second favorite chorus on this album. Wow. I think. Okay. Yeah. High praise. Exactly. High praise for me. All right. Yeah. There you go. The true Radiohead stand. That's true. (laughs) That's my hot take. Let Down Chorus is the best on the album. Second best, sorry. Oh. I'll get to my best later. Yep, yep. Okay. Let Down. Okay. Let Down. There we go. Um, going on to Karma Police. Uh, so you have you not heard Karma Police before? I don't think so. But you're yeah, probably going to tell me something super obvious where I have, in fact, heard it. But <laughs> no, it, it's... I mean, I think you probably have, but it hasn't really registered for you. It's it's It was probably the most famous song from this record it's really the only one that kind of gets played on the radio anymore okay also it's probably the most radio friendly and like most straightforward one so it's not really that surprising you know it's very verse chorus verse as opposed to and it's like i mean how long is it like three and a half minutes something like that it's it's a more perfect radio yeah perfect radio length you know what i'm saying no Um, i i maybe have mistaken it or have heard it on the radio but mm. thought I was listening to Creep instead because they're like a similar tempo and, and style. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that must be Creep. So that that's probably what happens. I see. You're disappointed. I get that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. No, I'm not disappointed. I'm not disappointed. It, it is the most Creep-like for sure. Especially, since, I mean, Creep and Karma Police are both first chorus verse with like a really nice breakdown near the end. Kind of mm-hmm. same thing that happens with, with Creep. Um yeah, I do love this song. It sounds like I don't like it, 
as much as the other ones, but I really do. Uh, it's just very conventional. So there's not, there's not as much to talk about in relation to the, the wide scope of the album. Um, I probably also heard it the most out of all the songs, just because I've heard it throughout my life on like radio stations or whatever. Um, but yeah, um, it's also kind of an obvious um, meaning behind the song. Um, it's the, I mean, the, the title of the song is Karma Police, and it's literally about, you know, if Karma Police were an actual thing. Um, mm-hmm. It originates from an in-joke that they had during the Benz uh, tour when they were touring the Benz album, uh, which was the album that came out prior to this one in 1995. Um, the guitarist, Johnny Greenwood, said, whenever someone was behaving in a particularly shitty way, we'd say the karma police will catch up with them sooner or later. So mm. very foreboding um, warning almost. Yeah, he's going to get them with his guitar, strangle them mm-hmm. with the strings. Now, I I did think real quick that while it was, like you said, a pretty conventional uh, piece com- in, in comparison to the rest of the album, um, that intro where it's just piano, had piano and guitar built in right there, really enjoyed that one. And maybe that's just me being a sucker for yes. those basic structures, but the piano was definitely uh, refreshing and kind of... Um, Almost, almost something new because up until this point, I hadn't really noted, uh, you know, um, an isolated or, or pronounced piano, straight piano, um, and so that was that was a good intro, one of my top two intros of this album. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, it's it, it is very um, kind of a return to form almost. Um, and and the 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 rare combo of the piano guitar kind of uh kind of medley that's uh yeah that's cool and it, it works very well now would um, you would you yeah, say that say about this song? oh yeah yeah i was jumping the gun there even even though it ends again with the return to those creepy you know computer electronic tones that i've been talking about um at at the conclusion there would you would you say at all that because it is a return to something like creep something more mainstream that this could be construed as pandering or, or more uh, skewed towards a, a general audience to try to get them in, in the door and buy in. Ooh, that's an interesting question. I don't know if it's really pandering. I think it's just an example of the fact that Radiohead really needed a, a, a transition um, mm. to, to fully, because their, their upcoming album, the one that came out after this, Kid A, is very experimental, very electronic, very um, expands on the new ideas that they had during OK Computer. Um, whereas OK Computer is a lot more of a blend of the earlier work mixed with what their later work would become. Um, is it pandering? I don't know. Uh... No, I don't think so. I don't think Radio has a type that would really pander much to, to their fans. I think they know that even at this point that I think they knew that people would follow them wherever. Um, sure. Yeah. So yeah, no. Well, what you said anything. too, it was, it was like self-produced, right? The album. Yeah. The whole album it's self-produced. They did have a, a producer helping them, but um, yeah, for the most part um, self-produced. Right. So there we go. It's not like some corporate studio or something was really, you know, breathing down their neck to, 
to sell the copies to to make the CDs and and be on the radio. So, all right, good answer. Yeah, yeah. The the fact that they're they're labeled, let them release this is is a. Uh pretty cool you know yeah. i mean I, i'm not super familiar with emi you know i don't really know any other artists that are on emi but uh very cool of them to uh to trust radiohead enough to uh to to release something like this because they were already an established band by this point i mean they were right. known worldwide um but which almost made this makes this an even bigger risk because you know, worldwide, why completely change your sound, you know, but thankfully yeah. it worked out, it worked out for them because they did it incredibly well. All right. Um, they didn't tarnish so their yeah. brand for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of tarnishing brands, here's a song, an interlude that might've, might've done that. It was a real risk. Uh, fitter, happier, fitter, Horizon. happier. Goodness. More productive. <sighs> This is peak dystopian, like subject matter. Yes, sir. Um, very disturbing, a very um, monotone robotic voice with this weird distorted piano in the back, and then these weird whirling <laughs> noises, and and some people talking in the back, and crowd noise, and it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's crazy. It's upsetting. <laughs> It is. I was I was not having a good time listening to it. No, it's uh it is disturbing. Um apparently Tom York wrote the lyrics in ten minutes after a period of writer's block. He describes the words as a checklist of slogans for the nineteen nineties. Um and he considered the lyrics the most upsetting thing I've ever written. Um and that it was liberating to give the words to a neutral sounding computer voice. Um they have some samples in the background that are audio loops from the 1975 film, The Three Days of the Condor. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's here's kind of a, a change they made to the album. The band considered using Fitter Happier as the album's opening track, but decided that the effect was off-putting. <laughs> yeah. Would, would, would Fitter Happier being the opening track have kind of... Uh, uh dissuaded you from listening to the rest of the album it it would have totally derailed yeah you you would have gotten a text from me going hang on now what what am i listening to here i'm (laughs) i'm glad tom kind of realized uh what he was doing with this and decided to to bury it a little a little deeper yeah exactly i i i I do agree as well i think this would have been a strange uh intro yeah um very disturbing honestly um here's some uh here's some interesting words for you uh steve lowe called the song penetrating surgery on pseudo meaningful corporation lifestyles with a repugnance for prevailing yuppified social values um, among the loosely connected wow. imagery, the lyrics footmen identified the song's subject as the materially comfortable, morally empty embodiment of modern Western humanity, half salary man, half Stepford wife, uh, destined for the metaphorical farrowing crate propped up on Prozac, Viagra, and anything else his insurance plan can cover. Sam Steele called the lyrics a stream of received imagery scraps of media information interspersed with lifestyle ad slogans and private prayers for a healthier existence 
It is the hum of a world buzzing with words. One of the messages seeming to be that we live in such a synthetic universe, we have grown unable to detect reality from artifice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I agree with all the words that I understand for sure. Yeah. The ones I don't have to look up, I'm totally down with, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, for me, it was, is definitely, have you ever seen the, um, the Apple commercial, the famous Apple commercial that's like alludes to her based on 1984? Mm-mm. Oh, you totally have seen it. It's with um, everyone looks like they're like in this dystopian world and there's this woman running because she's trying to escape and she like runs up and like smashes reality. And it's like a bunch of like, oh. you totally have seen it. Look up Apple 1984. Oh, okay. Yes. I, yeah. I, I'm, I just by looking at the thumbnail. Yes, I do know this. Right. Everyone's like drones like that. Yeah. yeah that. That's the kind of vibe I got from uh, from this song, where I was like, I'm being instructed to like follow, like, yeah, this drugged up society that's being morally corrupted by the shackles of our cultural degradation. You know, like, ah, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's heavy. I mean, this is probably the most. It might be the heaviest track on this album. I mean, it's it's obviously an interlude, and it's meant to be kind of a um a uh i mean interludes i feel like i usually uh, kind of resets almost but this kind of just right. takes you takes you deeper into uh um just the void <laughs> and like the void it really does i mean it's uh it's it's heavy man this is super heavy stuff you can say that again because this is like a 50 pound dumbbell yeah, it was. Did this uh, did you have to take a break after this track, or did you did you did you kind of kind of chug forward? Not uh, not after this one. I I chugged forward, and uh, we'll get to the one I took a break after uh, in a little bit. I think I feel like I know the song that you took a break after. Um, all right, well. <laughs> Speaking of taking a break, uh, that feels like a good a good stopping point, a good place to uh, to take a break from this album for now. Uh, so I'll see you guys on the next episode of Music Renovation when we talk about the second half of OK Computer. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>